Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Auto Trader podcast show. And my name is George Meany, and as usual, joined by none other than One Dile Sishi. And uh, just a reminder that uh, this podcast goes out weekly at 9 a.m. on a Monday. And uh, smash the like button, but more importantly, subscribe so that you can get future episodes uh, notified. Yeah. Uh, how's it going, Wendy? Not so bad, not so bad. It's another week, another week that we get to talk about, uh, this time the future mobility. So I'm super excited to see, uh, what we can unpack and, uh, you know, kind of inform. I think that's the big thing. Great. So, well, let's get right into it. Uh, today, uh, we're talking about or trying to answer a question. Are EVs finally making their way to South Africa? And we recently attended the Smarter Mobility Conference, uh, which is Africa's premier electric vehicle conference, which features motoring industry experts, governments and uh, entrepreneurs in uh, the EV space. Um, in Africa and South Africa and some really, really yeah. incredible things have come out of this year's conference. And uh, today we're lucky enough to be joined by uh, David Ashdown, who is the CEO of the VUCA Group, the organizers of the Smarter Mobility Africa uh, conference. And uh, he's here to discuss some of the exciting developments and uh, give us some insights into into this year's show. Welcome, David. Good morning, George. Good morning, Wendy. Thanks thanks for the invitation. It's great to be, uh, to be a part of this uh, this broadcast this morning. Yeah, it's uh, it's really nice to have you here. And I mean, uh, truth be told, uh, uh, you know, technology and circumstances just kind of not let us have David in the studio or or with us yeah. on Zoom for the last two weeks for some reason. Something something must good must be coming out of this podcast today because uh, something's been working <laughs> against it. I, I I hope we are able to replicate what we did on the stage in uh, in Johannesburg about three weeks ago now, George, because I thought the session was was really good. So. Um, I hope I've not forgotten too much about the EV report. Uh, I'm sure you haven't. I'm sure you haven't. So, uh, so welcome to the show, David. And uh, um, you know, just give the give the listeners a little bit of a, a flavour for uh, your background and smart mobility, how you guys got into it, and um, you know, what is what is first prize? What are you uh, what are you trying to get the audience that smart mobility serves um, um, to um, to remember? More importantly, so. It's a really good question, George. And, and what we do as an organization is we, we create platforms and we connect individuals and organizations to information and each other through events, media titles, information, news portals, etc. And we, we're working in the, the smart mobility space or the future of mobility. Um, we've joined a collaboration with a young organizer guy called um, Ben Pullen, who launched the Smart Mobility event about three years ago. Yeah. They, he's, he's onboarded that portfolio into the Buka Group now. And we're working collaboratively to, to support the development of that industry sector. Now, there, there, there's a lot of good things happening. And I think it's important early on to just to identify that the, the future of mobility is not exclusively electric vehicles. It's also in fleet management, it's in cycling, walking, and it's something yeah. that Ben talk, talks a lot to me about as well. But I know, I know we're here to talk about the future of EVs today. So we, we, we look to create an annual meeting place for the industry sector. We, we look to introduce new technologies, new trends, to create a point of discussion and debate around yeah. future. And also, importantly, to, to connect the industry. That, that's essentially what we do as a, as a business. We, we want to connect. We want to connect people to information and organizations to each other to develop an industry sector. And I think when I look at the, the, the smart mobility space, it's, it's a really exciting space for us to be operating in because 
it's an industry sector that's in its ascendancy. Mm. And with that comes a lot of innovation, a lot of excitement and a lot of um, the new products and new, new trends coming to market. And with it, a lot of challenges that need to be overcome as well. So it works well for a company like ours. Well, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, uh, you know, there's, I don't think there's anything more topical around the world today besides lockdown, uh, um, or COVID-19, um, uh, <laughs> then, uh, then EVs and, uh, and, and the future of, I suppose, greener, uh, greener, 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 cleaner energy and, um, you know, and, and everything that stems from that. And, you, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned walking and cycling and, uh, um, and, and, and those kinds of, uh, uh, you know, ways to get around because, because at the end of the day, um, walking or cycling is smarter mobility, right? Yep. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, being able yeah. to use other forms of transport than a combustion engine that, that, um, is not necessarily good for the environment. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Just to kind of, uh, to your point of how the show has grown over the last few years. I mean, we've going back to last year, something that wasn't really spoken about, which was really spotlighted this year was, you know, buses and uh, basically to your point, other forms of mobility, which are really important that we need to sort of unpack in greater detail. So I'm glad to see that innovation, that sort of uh, those conversations are now becoming a lot more popular and a lot more, um, I guess, South African based, not just international. Exactly. So uh, before we get into, you know, the meat of the, the show, David, we thought we would, uh, for the listeners uh, um, that are that are listening or even downloaded this podcast or even watching on YouTube, um, uh, to get to know David a little bit better, we've prepared a couple of uh, exam questions, which uh, which we'll go through with uh, with David and see, uh, see if he passes. So uh, David, very quickly, you've got to answer as quickly as you possibly can. Uh, we've got seven questions for you. The first question is winter or summer? Oh, definitely summer. Burger or steak? Uh, veggie burger. Ah, book or movie? Book. And in terms of vacation, bush or beach? Combination of both if possible, but if necessary, beach. Beach in the bush. Well, in terms of car, ice, battery, electric or hybrid? Have, have uh, combustion, would like electric. Ah, okay. What is your first car? Uh, it was a Fiesta 1.3 Mark One. Mm. Showing my wow. age there. A Ford. A Ford Fiesta, <laughs> and that that was in the that was in the UK. I'm assuming you probably had the mirror as well. Yeah, we do. We in do. What is your current car? Um, I have a Kia Sportage as the family car, and I have an original Land Rover Defender as the uh, the getaway vehicle, oh. and I also ride a Husqvarna Schwarz Peelen motorbike as well. Oh wow. Um, you know, yeah. the, the one answer I've never heard to those last two questions is current car and, uh, uh, and, and first car being, you know, the same car where somebody still got their first car. So, uh, it just shows you how people move on with, uh, with vehicles. So, uh, thanks for that, David. I hope you know a little bit more about David now. Did pick up a little bit of uh, vegetarian there, David. Is that right? Yep. Uh, trying to do my bit moving okay. away from meat. Um, that very, future very, food as well. Future food, exactly. So, so a little bit of history, um, you know, on EVs in South Africa, just to set the stage before we kind of dive in um, even further. And um, you know, mass produced. And when I when I say mass produced, I mean uh, you know factory produced on a um, 
on a production line, electric vehicles have been in South Africa for the last 10 years. It's very little known fact that they've yeah. been around in the last, uh, for the last 10 years. Um, and in that time, a few things have happened. There are four available mass produced models, the Porsche Taken, the Jaguar I-Pace, the Mini SE and the BMW i3. And let's not, not forget the Nissan Leaf. Uh, Nissan Leaf started out and, and, you know, I'd like to, while people, I think, um, um, Say bad things about the Nissan Leaf. You know, you got to you got to take your hat off to the first uh, early you know starters, the guys that come into the market first and and uh, uh, and really are the are the bedrock of the learning of the rest of us. And Nissan, I think, was one of those. They they came into the market early. Uh, battery didn't last too long. Degraded. Uh, charging yeah. infrastructure wasn't here. Um, and uh, and they taught us a lot, I think. So let's not um, let's not uh, uh, look down on Nissan because the Nissan Leaf, Leaf is no longer in South Africa. And then there are other EVs that are available for sale in the country, um, um, as well as the um, the XC40 P8 Recharge. Um, and I mean, I'm not sure you can call that an EV, but uh, um, and you know, it's 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 rumored, which I think is. Uh, is probably a yeah. fact that uh, there are many EVs coming in the first the first and second quarter of next year. And there are a lot of hybrids coming to the country. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think BMW said that they want uh, over 30 hybrids and EVs um, in South Africa next year. So, so David, with these, with these mass-produced EVs in the country um, since about 2010, um, you know, and uh, being at this year's conference, being on the stage and, um, you know, interacting with all the keynote speakers – what are your key takeaways um, from this year's conference and from your experience as uh, you know being involved with uh, smarter mobility for the first year? So, so from my perspective, I think first and foremost, it's important. I, I qualify. I'm, I'm a consumer um, mm-hmm. in the in the respect it comes to from any of the uh, future. I. I have an understanding of EVs, but my, my perspective is really about what it means, an EV in a, from a consumer's world. And what I learned at the Smart Mobility Conference was that there's, there's, a, that there's an anxiety on range yeah. from a consumer perspective. It's something that I consider. Um, as to whether it's go, will, will the vehicle get me from A to B if, if B is further than 250 kilometers, for example? And then there's a price consideration. Am I going to be paying more for an EV than, uh, than I would be for an ICE engine car? Um, and then what's, what's the availability of charging stations around the country? Um, I can certainly commute my urban commute in Cape Town, uh, and I can see a number of locations where I could potentially charge my, my vehicle. Um, start, you're starting to see them in some of the, the shopping areas now. So I guess that, that, that was the interesting bit for me was to, to work through the, the presentation document and the report, George, with, that was conducted by Auto Trader in partnership with uh, Smarter Mobility Africa and to shed some insight onto those. Yeah, so, so that's what I, think, that I didn't have an awareness of. Yeah, I think David speaks to something that's very important, which um, you basically hit the nail right on well you hit the hammer right on the nail um in the sense that there's a huge um education piece that you know is something that the industry as a whole needs to kind of work on it's something that we very passionate about and you know it's some of the things that we want to get across to consumers because i think a lot of people just don't understand what is available to them how much it costs and what it means to actually live with an ev um and you know those the sort of things that you spoke about there the rage anxiety and the infrastructure are key things that 
you know, we spoke about this year at the, at the summit. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be a learning point for a lot of people, but those are the things that are going to really elevate um, and, and help the introduction of EVs in the markets. Well, I mean, you pick, uh, you, you speak about one thing there one day, Wendy, which, uh, which David touched on as well. And that is, uh, and that is charging. Um, you know, mm. and, uh, we know that, uh, in locally there is one charger, uh, um, uh, one in, I think it's one in 20, uh, in internationally, whereas one in four in South Africa, um, where, um, you know, we are, uh, four times four times ahead versus the international countries where we've got much more charging stations uh, um, per EV on the road but that is that an indication do you think David of just low consumer penetration into EVs there's just too few of them on the road I mean I'll, t- I'll give you I'll give you an example I mean I drive the Jaguar I-Pace it's uh, um, you know it's my now car of um, everyday use and um, and the question I get the most when people look at that car, is is it a hybrid? Mm. Uh, and I can't tell you over the last couple of weeks how many people. Well, um, what is that? Is that a hybrid? And I say no, it's a full battery electric. But doesn't it have an engine? No. Um, and 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 that's the, big, the 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 question I've got the most over the last couple of uh, um, of weeks. And then the second question: once I say it's battery electric, and no, it doesn't have an engine, and in some instances, just open the bonnet and show them it doesn't have an engine. Um, is uh, is the second question? But where do you charge it? Mm-hmm. And then I have to kind of say, well, there are three hundred charging stations. Oh, really? Where? You know, I think people. I don't know what your take on this is, uh, David, but I, I think people are thinking that they that they're expecting to see these filling station type venues where exactly, there's yeah. this big sign with, uh, okay, you know, yeah, you can charge your EV, and that's not the case at all. I think uh, to go back to your original question. It's a, it's an adoption issue, isn't it? It's an adoption and awareness issue. The fact that there is one in four uh, charging stations to an EV in South Africa compared to one in 20 internationally, that's simply a, a, a law of averages and the fact that there are significantly less electric vehicles on the road. If, yeah, so, if, so, so, if South Africa had the number of electric vehicles on the road that the UK does, Given land mass, et cetera, the, the South Africa ratio would be significantly higher than one in 20. So it's, it's an adoption issue or a market issue. I would have thought a penetration issue. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, I would think we don't have enough charges, right? Um, you know, the, the one in 20, the one in fours might be actually misleading because there's too few of these cars on the road. I mean, I think there are like 1500 of them, right? I would say the maths leads, leads us to that conclusion. Yes, yeah. if we follow a science science based approach to it, yes. Oh, the the other piece about the the the, the awareness of um, does it have an engine? I think that's an educate that's a, that's an education piece, isn't it? And that that will come as the OEMs begin to roll out electric vehicles in South Africa. I think the the reality is that South Africa has not been an electric vehicle development market probably yeah. until now yeah. whereas in and I, I don't want to use this term loosely but in the in the western world actually there's there's been a an ev drive excuse the pun um for for a long period for a long period of time now yeah well let's go back in time a little bit here yeah, and you can actually see the the reason for that um well based on my assumption is 
because the the Toyota Prius was around for so long and it kind of spurred the idea of not just having an internal combustion engine. I think a lot of people assume, and we actually did a show on hybrids, you know, that kind of unpacked this, assume that a hybrid is a battery electric vehicle. Um, so for a lot of South Africans, because they just, you know, the adoption is not there yet, they just assume that any car that doesn't have, you know, or doesn't only drive on an, a combustion engine is a hybrid, mm. um, which is not the case. And we're learning the differences and the nuances and, and why the, the, the separation of the two is so important for people to understand because ultimately it will impact your daily driving um, and your mobility in the future. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's very it's weird for me. Well. Go on, David. I was going to say that there's a cultural piece here and, a, and an understanding and education piece going back over the last century. And that's the, that's the fact that really we all understand how a combustion engine, how a combustion engine works. We've, mm. we've grown up in, the, in that era, in that age. We're now changing technologies and many people will look at that battery car in directly to your comparison um, example, George, and say, well, where's the engine? Mm. Well, how, how does it work? I don't really, I don't really get it. How does it, what does it work like a torch? It just, I plug a battery in and then, and then off I go. <laughs> like I just switch on the light bulb. So there, there's a whole technology advancement in the yeah. fact that we've, we've grown up with engines. We, the first cars we sat in and our grandparents sat in, they were all combustion engines. So we, we understand how that, how the, how the propulsion is, is created. Now you're just asking, now, now we've got to learn a different, a different methodology, a different, different way of movement. I wonder if this happened back in, uh, you know, the late 1800s when we went from horses to, uh, uh, to you know, internal combustion engine vehicles where, you know, uh, um, you know, sitting in a seat versus straddling something and, uh, uh, and the thing not being alive was a conundrum. Mm. You know, how does this thing even move forward? Um, you know, I wonder if, I wonder if the same sorts of problems existed where, uh, where's the horse? You know, are you hiding it somewhere? Yeah. What, what about what about George? When we get to the point when there's no steering wheel in your car, yeah, and that's a conundrum for me, even. Yeah, so imagine that you go in your car and you push the destination into the Tesla um, electronic keyboard in front of you, and then suddenly the the car just packs away, and you're off you go. And now you have to put your faith in, in the, the vehicle that's going to get you from A to B. That's that's going to be that that sort of conundrum. It's that change in approach that that we I, I just don't think. We, we are educated towards or ready to accept Yeah, at this stage. Um, you know, are we ever ready to accept the new things that come along? And, uh, you know, so, so in terms of the conference, uh, you know, you, uh, uh, you guys all know that uh, we have a deadline. You said the the Western world, the European Union, um, and some other countries have uh, have this drop dead date twenty thirty, twenty thirty five, twenty forty, depending on you know, which country you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I want to talk about the effects of that and South Africa. Um, you know, uh, uh, South Africa is South Africa moving fast enough? Um, you know, uh, uh, are we going to get to 2030? I mean, we're in 2021 going into 2022 already. Are we going to get to 2030 um, having adopted it as South African consumers? And what happens if we don't? Um, you know, what, what, what's your sense, Wandy? Yeah, I mean, we've had a few conversations with some of the OEMs and we know that, like you're saying, um, essentially, you know, South Africa is m- more so than anything an export nation. Um, so we depend on other countries buying the vehicles from South Africa. And with these deadlines being in place in Europe, where they're saying, if it's not an EV by the year 2035, or worst case scenario 2030, that's going to have some serious implications. Um, and we're seeing already a lot of stakeholders in the industry sort of scrambling 
and finding, you know, quick ways and better ways to make sure that one, we're manufacturing these vehicles in South Africa, because that's where the pain is really going to come. Um, and there's a lot of things that happen after that. That's when we're going to see a lot of penetration because the vehicles ultimately are going to get cheaper. Um, so there's kind of a knock-on effect as a result of these drop dead days. And if you don't sort of get the manufacturing right soon, um, it could be a problem, but it's good to see that the industry is coming together and we have these forums where we can, you know, find solutions to these issues. I mean, David, you've been in South Africa now for, uh, um, for a little while. Um, you know, what, what is your sense on the ground? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I get those, those questions around, you know, is this a hybrid? And, uh, it just makes me generally feel like, first of all, South African education is not at the level where it should be when it comes to these uh, new energy vehicles or, uh, um, or, or the EV future. Um, but from an industry point of view, I feel like we're not moving fast enough. Um, you know, it takes a long time to change manufacturing facilities. It takes a long time to change regulation and import taxes and all those things you know from your short time in south africa you know what have you seen and 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 can juxtapose against uh, places like the uk um i've been living in cape town now for 10 years and i haven't seen a significant adoption of a, an electric vehicle future in cape town i know cape town has a as a metropole and the, the, the government of Western Cape have a vision to be cut for smarter mobility, for um, electric vehicle future. Some of the buses have already migrated, the My City bus and the Golden Arrows. You see them on the roads. Mm. Um, a number of their fleet are electric vehicles. But compared to the UK, sort of, I think we're, we're miles apart mm. in, that, in that respect. And I think... I, I struggle to see South Africa having adopted EVs by 2030. Frankly, I do. I struggle to see Europe having adopted EVs only by 2030 as well. I just, it, just the, 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 the eight years to get to that dateline and the amount mm-hmm. of infrastructure developments required for the charging and the, the increased energy demand yeah. to charge the vehicle. That I, I just don't see how how the European Union or the UK is going to move that industry space so quickly, so uh, so far. And I guess talking for a, from a South Africa perspective, there are there are fundamentals required to be able to adopt an, an EV future uh, in South Africa. Um, at the moment, we're going through rolling blackouts in South Africa again, aren't we? Um, exactly. You can't really run an EV. You can't have an EV mobility when you can't have regular charge, regular uh, or sustainable power to to charge those vehicles from. Well, and Adrian, you you have a an, an off grid solution for that, but that's not going to be available to everybody. No, so it's it's very expensive. So you know, it's not it's not something that uh, that 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 is accessible. So so what is the effect of that? Um, you know, and I'd like to believe that we're going to move faster. We're going to begin moving faster. And uh, you know, uh, um, conferences like Smarter Mobility, um, you know, and uh, VUCA, uh, are, and and Auto Trader are doing great things to try and move the needle. But at the end of the day, we've all got to move together. And are we moving fast enough? Because what's the effect? Um, if we don't hit these deadlines and let's, I mean, let's call it 2030, let's call it 2040 for Europe. Uh, 2040, yeah. yeah, you know, just give them an extra 10 years. Uh, you know, let's find 10 years somewhere. It's fine. Um, 
give them an extra 10 years. And uh, uh, so that gives us a, a slightly bigger window of opportunity. Um, but if we don't start to really move in that direction, South Africa's fleet of vehicles, we've got about 11 to 12 million vehicles in our car park. Our South Africa's fleet of vehicles are going to begin aging. Car, secondhand car prices are going to start going up. Uh, we're we're going to lose 60% of our manufacture, which is exported, because our local economy can't sustain our um, our production. We're just too small um, an economy. And all of those things have a massively negative impact on the South African economic environment. And I suppose that's why David, myself, you, Wandi, and Autotrader are so passionate about this particular topic is because it has far-reaching effects, if not mm. kind of grabbed and, and really things, things changed very, very quickly. Um, uh, you know, and, and I know you've been in South Africa for, uh, for a decade, um, David. Um, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you, you keep up by and large with what's happening in the UK. Uh, you know, did European countries, particularly the UK, grapple with these problems as well? Are they still grappling with these problems? I think, I think to a certain extent, yes, they are. Um, I think any nation would grapple with with the problems of of adoption um, infrastructure. I remember we talked on the stage about uh, what comes first, the, the chicken and egg scenario. Is it the uh, is it the charging stations or the vehicles? Yeah. It it, it seems to be from an OEM perspective, it's going to be the vehicle coming for the charging station, perhaps in uh, in South Africa or the infrastructure required. But um, it's definitely an economic opportunity for South Africa. There is good, as I understand, there is strong automotive production and assembly plants here. I believe that the president was announced recently that there will be new assembly lines created and that there is a, an economic push to work with the automotive sector to manufacture and assemble in South Africa, which is, which is positive. Um, I think you, you can then start to, explore the idea of of what the uh, evs look like outside of south africa's borders as well going up into yeah. the continent that, that's an that's an even bigger question there'll be countries like um rwanda which which in some degrees is a a well-developed nation that with, with heavy and strong infrastructure projects that are running that that may get to that that ev adoption place faster than south africa I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't. I can't. I can't really pinpoint what the future is. Would Would I buy an EV in South Africa? Yes, when I have confidence that the kind of the kind of ride that I'm looking for, I can competently and safely achieve in an EV, yeah. which I believe I could, because I'm I'm a I'm a local Cape Townian Cape Townian commuter. I don't do long distances. Yeah. If I want to do long distances, then I've got a problem. Well, I'll you've take got a diesel yeah. chugging Land Rover. <laughs> He's just joking. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, some of my friends have got some, some, some things to say about Land Rover. I owned a Land Rover before my Jaguar. So, uh, you know, I've yeah. never had a day's problems with the Land Rover, but we're not here to talk about Land Rover's 1D. Um, you know, <laughs> so, 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 I mean, three things came out in the study with smarter mobility and, uh, and, and those three yeah. things were home charging, public charging and initial cost of purchase. Um, you know, 1D, do you, do you think these are big problems? Do you think we're making any headway uh, um, with these issues? Okay, so I can only, you know, based off last year versus this year, there has been a little bit of, um, I guess, positive feedback with regards to how people are educating themselves with regards to EVs. 
Um, but still, with regards to home and public charging, consumers still want 62% better home charging um, and 42% better public fast charging. Now, that's not to say realistic currently. Um, there are nations in the world where these numbers are being hit, but it's very, very small, extremely small. Um, so I think people, there's, there's more of an education piece with regards to what charging is and how to charge an EV. A lot of people have this perception that it's like going to a filling station. Um, where you only fill it up when it's empty. But, you know, you always tell us that that's not the case. Uh, you sort of charge on the go whenever you have a chance, whenever you get home, almost like your cell phone. Yeah. Um, and then with regards to initial cost, people still want an EV that's cheaper than 500,000 Rand. This is difficult because once again, the cheapest EV, as we know, is more than that. Um, almost 140,000 Rand more than that, actually. So that's going to be a huge problem with regards to, with the, with regards to adoption, because we just can't, those numbers are still uh, very unattainable for a lot of South Africans. And then to your last point with better range, consumers still want 52, 54% better range on EVs, um, which is also another challenge. Do you need that range for, the, for you to have a normal mobility life with an EV? No. Once again, another education piece. Well, I mean, I think it was I think it was David that uh, um, that brought up on the stage, David, when we were there. Uh, uh, my my memory fails me, but uh, but I think you brought up the fact that uh, the batteries on EVs might get smaller, given um, given the 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 lack of the need to travel long distances. Just in your example, so you know, a lot of people don't use cars for long distance trips. They use airplanes for long distance trips, and uh, and most of their commute is um, uh, is local. You know, work and back, shops and back, etc. You know, do you need Jaguar I Pace with ninety kilowatt hours? Uh, because the battery is the biggest cost of the car, right? Yeah, you know, so so do we need these big cars? And yeah, does no, I, I think when when we were talking about it, I think we we referred to exponential growth in technology, and we we are very much at the uh, at an immature phase of the the Eva E the future, and it, and battery technology will continue to improve. Range mm-hmm. range will continue to improve. Charging times will continue to come down. And it, and you can see that if you look at the, the exponential curve on technology advancement just in a Tesla over the last five years, I guess. Well, talking so about yeah, that's it, true. It's early in, in the technology advancement. Look at the the combustion engine a hundred years ago compared to it today. You weren't you weren't driving around in a V eight supercar for the first time. You sat in a seat, were you? Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, and you know back then all cars broke down. Today, Land Rovers break down. Um, <laughs> Occasionally. Okay. No, I'm only kidding. Only the older Land Rovers break down. Uh, my Land Rover never broke down. Um, so, so technology advancement is, um, you know, is, is, is exponentially growing and, uh, and I see that yeah. future. But talking about the cost, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys saw, but, uh, the Tesla Model 3 significantly increased in price over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be a 35,000, uh, uh, $35,000 car. I think it's gone up to $42,000 for the Model 3 now. What's the reason for that? Is it, is it a brand new vehicle or the exact same existing vehicles? Don't know, but, uh, uh, you know. Is it directly proportional to um, Elon Musk's net worth as well? Because I saw that increase significantly over the last three weeks at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I think uh, all car prices in general have been increasing. Not at that rate. I think that's a bit scary. And it's got. I think that's got more to do with, with Tesla, the brand. Um, but, 
yeah, back to the idea or the concept of price, it's still a serious challenge in South Africa. Uh, there's still some work that needs to be done with regards to how can we make them cheaper and more accessible. In the report, we saw that 98% of, of respondents hadn't even been in an EV before. Um, that's something that needs to be addressed. We need to get more people experiencing the vehicles or else adoption is never going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, let's, uh, we've got a, we've got a couple of minutes left of the show. Let's, uh, uh, let's talk about, um, you know, uh, load shedding. We spoke about it a little bit earlier on. Is load shedding a real problem? I mean, there was a CSIR study in Twane that, uh, that showed that overnight charging, uh, an EV, uh, would have absolutely ne- zero effect on the grid. And uh, it was an interesting study, but uh, is there a, is there a real concern with load shedding, or is it really just energy demand? I don't think load shedding has any uh, uh, plays a part. Um, you know, living with my EV, yes, I've got renewable energy on my um, on my house, so I charge my car during the day. I can't charge my car during the night because my lithium ion batteries in my garage, I just don't have enough of them, and they're bloody expensive. Um, to be able to charge the car, it will deplete my, my car. My car has three times the battery capacity versus the batteries in the garage. So you can imagine mm. the car would eat through those batteries very quickly and I would switch over to ESCOM anyway. So I can only charge my car during the day in sunlight. Um, can't do it at night. Um, so if I, if I really am driving a lot, I have to use ESCOM to charge my car. Now, before I had the renewable energy system in the house, I would be using ESCOM to charge the car. Um, yeah. and, uh, I charge for maybe two to three hours a day. Costs me two rand, two rand thirty a kilowatt. Um, and, uh, and by the next morning, the car is charged. So if you think about load shedding for two hours at a time, uh, if you leave your car plugged in, you know, if there's a, if there's a, let's call it a 10 hour window between when you park versus when you want to take the car out again, you know, at any point during those 10 hours, your car is going to charge up. So I don't think load shedding is an issue. But the, the, the other question is the demand, or I think uh, David mentioned it a little bit earlier on, is the draw on the power grid the issue? So I think not, just to answer that question, based off the CSI are a study. So what they kind of unpacked is uh, most people would be actually be charging in the evenings when uh, demand for electricity is not as high. What do you mean demand for electricity is not high? Because I would imagine between the sunset and say 10 o'clock at night, demand is at its highest. Yeah, but not overnight when you're sleeping. You're when talking about like 12 to cars. 6. Yeah, okay. correct. Okay. Um, when most people would be, be charging their vehicles or at least go into those hours charging their vehicles. Um, and based on that, they don't think that it's going to be too much of a strain on the system. Um, and on top of that, load shedding on average is two, two hours, maybe four hours on a, on a really bad, um, I, I guess, uh, stage. Um, so they, you know, ESCOM or well, the CSIR study says that potentially it wouldn't be too much of a demand, but we'll see when there's, um, 10,000, 50,000 different EVs in the country, um, how they'll impact. What is your, uh, what is your sense there? Uh, there? Yeah. If I could jump in, I think the, um, the, the load shedding is the inconvenience factor mm-hmm. from, from a home user, for a residential user. But the, as I understand, and I may be wrong, um, load shedding is not a result of increased demand on the networks. Load shedding is a result of poor maintenance of the networks and the infrastructure. Hmm. So there, there's a there's a requirement for investment further down the further up the value chain to to fix the the the, the power generation the distribution the distribution of the transmission networks to be able to 
deliver a viable EV future from a um, an automotive perspective perspective as well. So, so the, the, the two the two are the two have synergies that that require investment simultaneously to be able to build a brighter future in that respect. So 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 what you're saying yes, is that it's 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 not about the. Um, it's not the about demand, the, the well. No, it is about the demand. It's about the increased demand because of these cars. I mean, uh, let's do some maths based on kind of very high level back of the cigarette packet. I don't even know if that's a saying still. Back of, back of the cigarette packet maths. <laughs> Never heard it. Oh, you're too young. That's why. No. Um, <laughs> back, of, back of the cigarette packet maths. I, I know because of the system I have installed in the house. I know that my house uses about. Uh, 20 to 25 kilowatts of power per day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I drive on average lockdown out of the way. I drive about 20% of my car's battery. I deplete 20% of my car's battery per day under a normal office to home shops, blah, blah, fish based um, every single day. Okay. So it's 90 kilowatt hour car. Uh, 20% of that is 18 kilowatt hours. Call it 20. 18, yeah. Okay. So, so call it 20 kilowatts. Um, so now my house is using 20. Okay. On an average yeah. day, I'm using 20 per day. Okay. My power draw is doubled. When you, when you plug in your vehicle, yeah. No, but my, my, my consumption of electricity is effectively doubled. Yeah. My house yeah. is using 20 a day. My car is now using 20 using a day. It. It's doubled. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, so, 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 so I think that's what David's talking about is the power generation and the, and the ability for ESCOM to generate the power needs to double. Mm. Can we do I that? I think there's, there's, there's a demand, there will be a demand requirement, but there's also an infrastructure maintenance requirement to keep the network up. And that, that's what, that, as I understand, is the, is the cause of load shedding. It's not the increased demand on the network that causes load shedding. It's the, it's the poor raw material that goes in to generate the power, but also the, um, the generator itself has broken down and therefore it needs to be repaired. And then that, that's what causes that, that power, you, that power plant to go offline for a period of time. And they have, and then there's the requirement of the load shedding. So, so the, the, the infrastructure requirement and the investment is, is across the board, not just in the into the EV space. We can't just say let's have an EV future because there's a requirement to let's have a sustainable energy future and a and a consistent uh, energy grid, a sustainable energy grid that that operates functionally that can handle the increased demand. So there's a number in my mind. There's a number of factors that go to it. But does the that other point, does, does that impact? Uh, do you think that's going to impact people's uh, decision on purchasing an EV? Because I think I'm not sure if if it if it's going to. I don't think people should shy away from buying an EV as a result of the current load shedding situation. I don't think they'll be impacted as much as people believe they would. Well, I mean, I think if I education again, if I if I understand. Sorry, David. If I understand you correctly, uh, and 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 I agree, I agree with the way you kind of articulating it. Is is the we have enough to generate? So so we have enough power generation. We can double the the the, the capacity is there. It's the infrastructure breaking down that's the problem. Correct. So and then I mean, how does that impact the consumer with regards of 
their their thought process to buying an EV. Mm. Does does the does the effect? Well, we we have load shedding on a regular basis in South Africa. Does that mean I'm not going to be able to charge my vehicle? Which means the consequence of not being able to charge my vehicle means I can't get to work, or I can't pick my child up from school, or I can't go to the shops. Mm. So is there is there a follow on effect that limits our the the industry's ability to influence a consumer to buy an EV? Mm. Good question. I think that's exactly where it is. That's what that's where the connection that people are making. Um, and I think that's what needs to be addressed, that it's not that big of a deal. Um, specifically if you are getting load shedding twice a day or for two hours of the day. So load shedding might save our EV future is what you're saying, Wendy. And unfortunately, that's where uh, that's where we need to leave it. So uh, that's been fascinating. And, uh, uh, you know, and I think there's a there's a lot of questions uh, that don't have answers. And, you know, we'll continue having these shows and talking about these topics and uh, most definitely have David definitely, on in the yeah. future. Um, so uh, David Ashdown, uh, CEO of uh, VUCA Group. Really nice having had you on the show. Uh, any parting thoughts, uh, David? Uh, only that it's been a uh, it's been a great half an hour spent with you two talking about the future of EVs. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have lots of other thoughts about the about the industry space as well, but uh, maybe we'll I'll save those for another conversation. Definitely, but it's we, been good. Thank you. We need a we need a reason to get you back. So, uh, Wendy, any final thoughts before we uh, end uh, end off? Yeah, no, it's just uh, I can't wait to to be having more of these conversations. Like they're super important, they're super necessary, and uh, the education is you know one takeaway is the education is is going to be the big the big factor. And can't wait to bring you more. Well, on that note, uh, that's been another Auto Trader podcast, and uh, it's been real. My name is George Mini, and uh, we will see you next time. 